20, verse 35. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. For those of you who uh, are regular Wednesday night folks, I've not forgotten that we're doing Acts on Wednesday nights. I remember that, but we're going to do Acts on Sunday morning as well this week. We've been talking about pre-deciding. Uh, we decide now what we're going to do later, not wait till you get in the heat of the moment, not wait till your emotions are kind of stirred up or somebody's kind of playing on your emotions a little bit, but to decide now before the Lord what I'm going to do facing this situation. So we talked about several things. I'm going to be ready for temptation. I've got to move the line way back and be ready for that. We talked about we're going to be consistent, right? Consistency over the long haul yields huge benefits. And last week we talked about we're going to be devoted to the Lord. We're going to be devoted to the Lord. So let's look at it tonight, uh, this morning. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Look at what Paul writes. He says, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said. Now these are Jesus' words here. It is more blessed to give than to do what? And to receive. He, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I read a legend. It's probably not true. It's a legend from India about an Indian guru. Had a disciple. They were, um, lived an ascetic kind of a life. Very simple sort of a life. Just a small amount of food. Lived in a little hut. And uh, the guru was going away for an extended pilgrimage. And he had his disciple. He'd been training his disciple in this way of life for a long time. And he told him, he said, I'm going away for a long trip. I think I've taught you enough now, so continue to remember my words, to live simply uh, and live a pure life. And so he decided to do that. All he had uh, was a little hut and two loincloths. He would, as most ascetics did in those days, he would go out and beg for his food in the village uh, during the day. And so one day he was coming home you know, from begging in the village, and he noticed a rat running off with a piece. He would wear a loincloth one day, wash the other one, with a piece of his loincloth. He's like, uh-oh, surely, surely not. And so he went and looked, and sure enough, the rats had grabbed the loincloth that he had not wore that day, and they were, had torn holes in it. So he went back to the village, begged for a loincloth. Somebody graciously gave him one. And, and so he decided to put his loincloth on top of the hut where the rats wouldn't get to it. Came home the next day, and uh, sure enough, the rats had got on top of the hut and tore his loincloth off. And so he begged for another one, and he thought, I know what I'll do. I'll get me a cat. Give me a cat, the cat will kill the rats, and then that way, and, and he did, and it worked perfectly. The cat uh, ate all the rats, and, uh, and he got thinking about it, though. He thought, you know, the cat ate all the rats, now the cat doesn't have anything to eat. So I need to get something for the cat to eat, so he, he found a villager that gave him a cow. And that way he could have milk uh, for the cat, and so that worked out really well for a while. Things were going good, but then he realized, you know, my cow needs something to eat. And so he um, realized he had land around his hut, and so he uh, was able to till his land, able to get some other folks to help him, actually hired some folks to till his land. He had a great crop. had a great crop, and uh, the, the cow was able to eat the hay and the grain from that, and, and uh, the next year got even better, and so he built some barns to store his crops in. And, um, but he needed more laborers, you know, so he built a big house to, so his laborers could stay in it since he had a big house. And, uh, and had this money coming in, decided to get married and uh, have kids. And uh, one day, his, um, his master came back home, uh, came back to see him, and he thought he was at the wrong place. He sees this lavish estate, all these lands, all these people working, you know, and he, and he was afraid that some rich person had bought his land run him off. And he said, uh, he asked somebody, he said, is so-and-so, I, I, I left a poor, simple disciple here, and I was wondering where he was. And the guy heard him, and he came out, 
And the pastor's like, dude, what happened? He said, well, I, he said, I, it really was an accident. <laughs> he said, I had the two loincloths and the rat got one of my loincloths and so I had to get a cat and then I had to get a cow and now I've got all this. And I tell you that parable because that's kind of what's happening to a lot of us. You have possessions, but in order to take care of your possessions, you've got to buy more things, right? You've got to buy insurance or something else, and then you've got to buy something else to take care of that, something else to take care of that. And if we're not careful living in America, we come and we end up with, we buy more, we buy more, we buy more, and we, before we realize it, we've got into debt up to our eyeballs and we don't know what in the world we're doing. And our culture is trying to get you to do that in 2007, in 2007, the average American saw 5,000 advertisements a day. 5,000 a day. By today, that has doubled. You see, the average American sees around 10,000 advertisements a day. Especially if you have Instagram, Facebook, if you look at TV, you email, things like that. Around 10,000 a day. And social scientists have studied this and they say the more advertisements you see, the more miserable you are. Why? Well, it just stirs up your desire for something else. It just shows you these things. And by the way, you can't be happy if you don't have the latest iPhone, right? You can't be happy if you don't have the latest computer. And you can't be happy if you don't have the right kind of tennis shoes. And you can't be happy if you don't have the latest whatever. You know, it's always out there. And so they're trying to teach you and tell us you can't be happy unless you buy. Everybody say the word buy. Buy something else. And that, that's what the culture screams at us. And Jesus comes along and goes right in the face of it. And Jesus said, it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, Jesus is the smartest person ever. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. He is. He's the smartest person that's ever lived. And he says, true, happy. The word blessed means happy, joy, wholeness, the good life. The good life, Jesus said, is not in acquiring more, it's in giving more. So remember this morning at the beginning, I asked you how you were doing. If you're watching online by Facebook Live, you can help us out with us. So let me ask you a question this morning. How are you doing? All right, I'm going to hold you to that today. <laughs> because that's exactly what the message is about. We're blessed to be a blessing. We've been talking about pre-deciding. The quality of your decisions determine the quality of our lives. You are a sum of your decisions. You make your decisions and then your decisions make you. And so today, we are pre-deciding this. I am generous. Can we say that together? I am generous. Now, the first thing you think of is money. We'll talk about that some today. But I'm talking about generous with whatever God has given you. You can be generous with your money. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your attention. Somebody uh, to look at you or for you to look at somebody, listen to what they're saying. You can be generous with words of affection, right? You can be generous with praise and appreciating people. You can be generous with thank yous. You can be generous with please. You can be generous with smiles. You can be generous with cards. You can be generous with 
text. You can be generous with, all, with your ability to fix things. There are all manner of things. God has blessed you in a lot of ways. And so what we want to do is take what God has given us and give it away. Because here's the thing. As we give, we don't necessarily have less. We have our blessings multiplied. Our happiness, our joy, our usefulness for God is actually multiplied when we give it away. So let's talk about three things this morning about being generous. Three things today about helping us to live a generous lifestyle. Number one, if we're going to live a generous lifestyle, to pre-decide, to decide today, I'm going to be a generous person, is to remember our provider. To remember our provider, to remember where the blessing came from. To remember that we want to be generous because we belong to a generous God. God is a giving God. One of the best known verses in the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. He gave His Son. So God is a generous God and He has given us things. Everything that you and I have is a gift from Almighty God. Everybody say gift. See, we serve the most generous giver that has ever been. Everything that we have is a gift. Now, we remember that everything we have is a gift and that it belongs to God. That is supposed to, as a Christian, as a person who's genuinely saved, that what that does in our hearts to say, I want to be like him. As he has blessed me, I want to bless somebody else. I want to be a giver like God's a giver. So let me just mention a couple of ways that God's blessed us. God's blessed us physically. God's blessed us physically. You went to sleep last night, and you couldn't make yourself stay alive. <laughs> You couldn't keep your heart beating. You couldn't keep your blood circulating. You couldn't keep your kidneys working. You couldn't keep your liver working. You, you couldn't keep any of, this stuff, any of this stuff going on. Your body continues to work. And I'm not trying to make my heart beat right now. Not even conscious of it until I said that sentence. I'm not conscious of my lungs working. God has blessed us physically. And in a world, and physically, not only our bodies, but all the things that we have. And watch this, guys. In a world where many people struggle to have enough to eat, you and I, for the most part, struggle with eating too much. I didn't think I'd get a very loud amen right there. <laughs> but if you know that's true, say amen. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people struggle getting enough, getting enough food. We struggle not eating more than we're supposed to eat. So God's been generous to us physically. God's been generous to us socially. Hopefully, hopefully, everybody here has a family member or two or three and some friends really care about you, that love you. Hopefully, if you, you can look around this church and you see people in this church that if you had a need, they would help you. If you had a prayer request, they would pray with you. If you had something to talk about, they'd hang around after church and talk with you about it. These are gifts from God. Everybody that loves you is a gift from Almighty God. He has also blessed us spiritually. Gave us his son. We, we used to say blessed and then some. You just try to add up the blessings of God. You talk about God's forgiven us. 
God seeks after us. God has granted us eternal life through His Son. He did for us what we could never do for ourselves, bearing our sins for us. He's called us His children. He's given us a love that we can never be separated from. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us. He's promised that we are a greater is He that is in us than he that's in the world. We're overwhelmingly conquerors through Christ. So listen to this. As bad as you feel about your sin last week, as bad as you feel about that time that you really blew it spiritually, you can't believe that you did that, God can believe you did it. And there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? God has blessed us spiritually. And so God, God will not have anybody that owes Him anything. Everything is an absolute gift from God. And what audacity it is for us as human beings to think that this belongs to us. That we're self-made people. That we've worked hard for this and it belongs to us. And, and we get all tied up with all the blessings God's given us. How easy it is for us to get tied up because we don't have that thing. I heard about a guy who took his kids to Disney World and uh, he said, you know, you go to Disney World and you spend a million dollars. Maybe not a million, a billion and a half. <laughs> and you, you know, the magic of Disney World, the happiest place on earth. And you do all this kind of stuff. And he said he got to the car and he was feeling so good about himself. Spending a million dollars at Disney World. Taking his kids to the vacation of a lifetime. You know, he was not, didn't have a whole lot of money. Saved up a long time to do this. He was feeling so good about what a great daddy he was. And he heard from the back seat what he thought was going to be a thank you, but it wasn't. It was a sniffle. One of, one of the kids is crying. And he said, what are you crying about? I didn't get a balloon. How many of us cry over a balloon when God's taking us to Disney World? See, we serve the most generous God ever. And it, I, I, where generosity comes from is when we reflect. It's a reflection on how generous God is. I am, because He's that way with me, because I've received so much, I am pre-deciding to be generous. This is huge in the life of a Christian. If we want to be like Christ, this is huge. When Paul was taking his third missionary journey. One of the things he was doing was taking up an offering uh, as a gift to the, to the uh, church at Jerusalem. They were having a famine. It was hard. It was a mother church. And so he's going through some of these Gentile, well, they're Gentile and Jewish both. But he's taking up an offering, writes to the Corinthians, and he, he, he says, now y'all make sure that offering's ready, you know, because they were kind of like Baptists. They can forget their offerings. <laughs> and so he's like, no, 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 play this little game with me. I like you forgot about this offering thing, right? And you remember about that offering. And he tells them about some churches in Macedonia, probably Philippi, probably one of those churches. And he writes to them this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 4 and 5 of the New Living Translation. He says, this church begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we hoped for, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. Do you see what he says there? He says, they begged us. I can just see Paul saying, guys, look, y'all are, are hurting financially. 
We're going to skip your church. We're going to let other churches give to this offering. You've heard about the offering I'm taking up. Y'all are in a world of hurt here. Y'all been persecuted. You lost your jobs because of your faith in Christ. You're having a hard time getting by. Why don't y'all take a pass this time? And they said, no, 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 no. We beg you, let us be a part of this. As a pastor, I don't know that I've ever had anybody beg to give to an offering. <laughs> and nobody said amen. you never heard of anybody either, have you? They begged us. Why? Why did they do that? Because they gave themselves first to the Lord. It starts not with your money, not with your time, not with, not with your, your abilities. It starts with your heart. You give your heart to God, and then you say, God, I am so glad you've been so generous to me. I want to give, I want you to bless me so I can be a blessing. One person wrote it this way. When you count the blessing, flip the blessing. Once you count the blessing, flip the blessing. So let me ask you something. Where has God been generous with you at? Let's think about it for a minute. Because he's been generous with you somewhere. And for some of you, it is money. So some of you, God's been generous with you, and you have the ability to really fix things. Some of you, God's been generous with you that you have a really positive outlook on life. Some of you, God's been generous and gifted you with a, with a strong prayer life. Others of you, God's gifted you with the ability to give the best hugs in the world. Some of you, God's given the ability to be able to speak a word of encouragement. What I'm saying is where God has blessed you, flip the blessing. Where God has given you so much, you give that away. One of the things I watch for in my week, God tends to bless me in the Word. He shows me things in Scripture. And I, oftentimes, before my quiet time, I'll just pray because God does this occasion with me. He gives me verses like, man, that's such a good verse. And I'll say, God, give me a good verse today. And Lord, show me anybody else that needs it besides me. Help me see anybody else that I might, that you might want me to give this verse to. For you, it may be wisdom, whatever it is. So God, listen, I love what Mark Batterson says. Mark Batterson said, when God blesses you financially, don't raise your standard of living, raise your standard of giving. Now, that sounds foreign in America, but that's Christian. And by the way, I would say when he raises your standard of living, whatever, whatever area he blesses you in, Learn to raise your, your giving in that area. Right now in America, we own 233% more clothes than people did in 1930. 233%. Today, and most Americans, back in, years ago, most Americans had three outfits. Today, most Americans purchase 37 items of clothing a year. And some of y'all are thinking, that's a lot. Some of y'all are thinking, that's all? <laughs> 37 a year. And what the surveys found out is, out of all the things that we have to wear, most people say 21% of their clothing is unwearable. Give it away. 50% are either too tight or too loose. People have clothes that are too loose. Is that a thing? <laughs> Not heard of that. 12% you never wear, and we typically wear about 10% of what we own. This is how, listen, guys, in the next few years, they project the dog. I said, everybody say dog. The dog clothing industry will be a $16.6 billion industry for dogs. Right now in the United States, there are more self-storage units. That means we, we rent places because we have so much stuff, we can't keep it at our house. There are more self-storage units in the U.S. than McDonald's, Burger King, 
Starbucks, Walmart, put together. Put our extra stuff at. And so what I'm saying is, we want to pre-decide because God has been generous to us. And that, would say, that would seem to say God's been pretty generous, wouldn't it? Because God's been generous, we're pre-deciding to be generous. Secondly, we not only have to remember our provider, we need to be resolute. We need to be determined in our planning. I am pre-deciding to be generous. I'm going to plan to be generous. You see, generosity can be spontaneous, and it's okay to be spontaneous, and it should be spontaneous at times. But here's the thing you want to be careful of. If you, if you don't plan to be generous... What happens is you tend to give out of either guilt or emotion or some perceived need that you see. You give because somebody is on the side of the road and they're asking for a handout. Or you give because there's a sad commercial on TV about people dying somewhere else or there's dogs in cages that are starving to death or somebody comes and speaks at church and you feel really bad about something somewhere else. And so you're, you're giving out of emotion or guilt or something like that. That's not a cheerful giver. Generous people plan. They plan. They don't. They don't run off emotions. They don't run off what other people try to tell them. They plan. They're resolute. They plan to give. Generous people don't need to be guilted. They don't need to be manipulated. They don't have to have sad commercials to get them to give. They give because God's been generous to them. Look at Isaiah thirty-two eight, the New Living Translation. Generous people. What's that next word? Say it one more time plan to do what is generous and they stand how firm in their generosity you see we all have a plan to consume right <laughs> and we research and what's the best price what's the best coupon where's the best deal we we plan to consume but he's saying here we need a plan to be generous you see you don't become generous by accident <laughs> you don't accidentally become generous you don't accidentally start tithing. You don't accidentally start uh, providing food for a, a, a homeless person in another country. You don't accidentally start sending money to Compassion or World Vision or something like that to care for somebody who doesn't have enough food. You don't accidentally become generous. So here's your weekly growth suggestion. Prayerfully consider this question. Who will I be generous to this week? Not one day. This week. Who will I be generous to this week? And pray for divine appointments at Hopewell. Now, here's the thing. Generosity, what a lot of people think is, when I have more, I'll give more. That's what we tend to think. When I have more, I'll give more. But generosity is more about what's in your heart than what's in your pocket. Generosity is more about what's in your heart than what you think that you have. Let me read a quick parable to you. Luke chapter 12. Watch this now. This is a rich guy. This is a rich guy, Luke 12. And he says, and he told him a parable. The ground of a, this is Jesus' parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. Everybody say for themselves. But is not rich toward God. Notice this. Farmer, doing pretty well. But he has a bumper crop. Notice what he did not say. I'm going to raise my standard of giving. 
I'm going to start giving to single parents now. I'm going to start helping uh, foster parents now. I'm going to start helping people who are trying to adopt now. I'm going to look around for people that are less fortunate than me, and I'm going to try to bless them. I'm going to raise my workers' wages now. He doesn't say any of that. When he got richer, he kept doing what he always done. A lot of times, if you, get, if you get more money, it doesn't necessarily make you more generous. It just reveals who you are. So you plan to be generous. I would encourage you to start by pre-deciding to give a tithe. The, the word tithe means 10%. 10%. And the Bible says in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The st for these people, the storehouse was their faith community. Bring your tithe, 10% of your income, into your faith community where you uh, worship God. That there may be food in my house. That was the temple. Test me in this, says the Lord God, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. Great place to start. Just a plan to give 10%, the tithe like God says. And some people will say, well, that's the law. We're under grace now. And what I would say to you is this. If you take that stance, just remember, every time Jesus said something about the law and it wasn't in effect anymore, he always increased. I, you know, you're not supposed to murder, but I say if you're angry. I'm not supposed to commit adultery, but I say if you lust. And so I can't imagine under grace that we'd give less than they would give under the law. And it's one thing I learned early, early, early in my Christian life when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old, and um, I, I, I knew, I was taught that I, was, I should tithe, and so I pre-decided, first thing in the week, I write my tithe check. There's some Sundays when it was harder than others, but, you know, here's the thing about pre-deciding. I never really seriously said I'm not going to do this because I pre-decided to do it. And here's the thing. God says, seek first my kingdom, and what? All these things will be added to you. And so I, sometimes I felt like, I don't know that I can afford to tithe this week. And my thought would be, next would be, I don't think I can afford not to. Because I choose not to, now I'm dependent on myself to meet my needs. If I choose to seek first God's kingdom, he said he would take care of me. And so it's an act of worship. God, thank you for my job. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for these things. And it's encouraging to hear people, be around people who decide that they really want to be generous. In Mark Batterson's books, one of the things that he's written, it's really amazing. He and his wife, Laura, early on decided they were going to be generous givers. And his goal, he's not gotten there yet. Their goal is to reverse time. To give away 90% and live on 10. You say, how do you do that? Well, I don't know. He writes books and they've been really good sellers. He's moving that direction. But he's, they, they raise their percentage often. Uh, almost every year they raise their percentage of giving. And, and here's one thing that Craig Rochelle said. He said, when you're giving, especially like a tip or something, he said, always round up. Generous people round up. And he talked about, he told a story of going out to eat one time. By the way, if you can't afford to give a generous tip, stay home. I'm saying that all the kindness and love and generosity of my heart. Or ask somebody for the money to tip. Or, you know, act unchristian so they won't think you're saved. <laughs> it's, you know, it's so many people go out on Sundays and they're ugly and they're mean. Gives us all a bad rap. So just stay home. 
<laughs> or be, or be, or you know, go go home and change into your dirty clothes. Don't wear your Sunday clothes out to eat if you can't be nice and generous. So anyway, Craig Rochelle said he went to this restaurant one time, and um, and that's kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> I'm really kind of serious. <laughs> it's a horrible witness. So he said he went to this restaurant one time, and he said the service was was bad. Uh, the waiter waitress was unkind. Uh, she wasn't attentive. Um, it's bad. This just was bad service. And he was tempted to give a lower tip. He's tempted to kind of tip. You know, sometimes you're tempted to give like a nickel. <laughs> you know, like, so I didn't forget. <laughs> you just did a horrible job. But he says it was bad. You know, but, he, but he said, you know, I pre-decided to be generous. And so I rounded up the tip. Not a, he said, not a bunch, but I rounded it up where it was a generous tip. And, uh, and sure enough, y'all, you know, these stories don't happen often, but it did in Craig's life. Sure enough, months later... He heard about a lady attending their church. She was a waitress at a local restaurant. And she was that waitress. And what, here's the thing. She knew who he was. Knew he was a pastor of Life Church. Knew about the church. Didn't like the church. Didn't like Christians. Wasn't a believer. And so by default, she intentionally gave him bad service intentionally ignored him, intentionally wasn't attentive, intentionally did a bad job. And she said when he gave me that tip and he rounded up, it just kind of blew because she knew she didn't deserve it. And when her life fell apart, she thought those people might help. If he would help me then, they might help me now. Look at Proverbs 21, 26, New International Version. All day long, he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing the righteous give without sparing so we're generous we want to make a plan and pre-decide that i'm going to smile i'm going to say kind words i'm going to compliment people i'm going to give my time when somebody's talking about i'm going to give my attention when i get a chance to put in a good word for jesus i'm going to be generous there i am going to be a generous person because god is and because of god is and because god has blessed me I plan, I intentionally plan to be generous. And then last of all, we want to reaffirm our purpose. Reaffirm our purpose. What's our purpose? It's to glorify God. Well, let me ask you this. Generous people or stingy people glorify God? Well, that's not a hard question, is it? We glorify God by being generous. It's one of the ways we love God. It's one of the ways we love people. It's right in the heart of who we do. You can't have a church without generous people. That's why the Southern Baptist Convention can support over 3,500 international missionaries because you have generous people in all of our churches. That's why in addition to 3,500, we can support 2,469 North American missionaries as well as 3,720 chaplains. Why? A portion of what you give and people in other Southern Baptist churches give go to support that. We can't have an ongoing ministry here. Every time, I love it that every time somebody gets saved, every time some teenager turns their life over to Jesus, every time some need is met, everybody that gives has a part of it. That's your blessing. We serve the most generous God ever. And out of our gratefulness to Him, we pre-decide to be generous. I read a story. It's been years ago I read this story. Tony Campolo. This story's probably from the 1970s, 1980s, sometimes around there. And Tony Campolo had, um, had been scheduled to speak at a women's missionary meeting and forgot about it. And uh, all of a sudden realized that he was supposed to speak at that meeting. And so 
He had to rush over there, speak at this meeting, didn't know what he was going to talk about. Uh, it just slipped his mind. Preachers forget things too. <laughs> the unfortunate thing, we forget something, it's usually in front of a crowd. <laughs> and so uh, he forgot about it, showed up, didn't know what he was going to talk about. And the lady said, the, the president of the missionary meeting there, and there was, you know, several hundred people there at the, at the meeting. So the lady stood up and said, we have a letter from one of our missionaries in, um, in Venezuela, and they need $5,000 desperately to put an extension on a hospital. $5,000 desperately to put an extension on the hospital that, uh, to serve the people of Venezuela. And so she turned to Tony and she said, Brother Campolo, would you come up here and pray that God would meet that need? And so he came up to, if you've ever heard Tony Campolo, he's a, a little weird in some of his theology, but he's, he's bold. I'll give him that. So he came to the pulpit and he stood up and he said, no, I will not pray for that. He said, what I will do, and he said, it's a really good day to do this. <laughs> he said, what I will do is I'll give all, all the money in my pocket to that mission. That, he said, I only had $2.12. <laughs> really good day for me to do that. So he said, I put $2.12 on the Lord's Supper table. And he said, all right, I want everybody in here to do the same thing. Turn to the president of the ladies' thing. He said, all right, I want you to put all, empty your cash out here on the table. So she had $110. So she put, that's like 70s and 80s, right? She put $110. She said, all right, I got $112.50. All right, you next. <laughs> so he starts down. So he just got on the file by. He got on the file by. He said, I know some of them didn't give cocktail by the dirty looks they gave me. <laughs> so they all filed by. They put some amount, you know, their money down. And when they counted it up, they had $7,000. He said, why am I going to pray for God to raise 5000 when there's 7000 in the room? And what I, the reason I tell you that story is a lot of times we think another day is going to be a good day for me to give. Another day is going to be a good day for me to be generous. Another day is going to be a good day for me to spend time with people to smile at people, to love people, to give my attention to people, to be generous with that. However God has blessed me to be generous with that to somebody else, another day is going to be a good day. Hey, you've, you've got it. God has given all of us something that we can bless somebody else with. Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? As you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If Jesus is the smartest person ever, then the happiest people are generous people. Because he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so today I would encourage you to take this to the Lord. Maybe you feel like you've got more month than you've got paycheck this month. That's okay. We all come to those situations sometimes. You've got something to give. You've got love, you've got a card, you've got a text, you've got a smile, you've got something planned. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, focus on where God has blessed you and be generous with that for the glory of God to try to point people toward Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now, thanking you for how generous you've been with us. God, grateful that if we don't have a dollar in our pocket today and we're saved, we have been blessed and then some. And we have been blessed to be a blessing. Father, show us, give us hearts 
and minds to look for ways to bless somebody else. I pray, Father, right now for our weekly growth suggestion. I pray right now that you'd bring people to our minds right now, Lord, that you want us to be generous to this week. Would you do that, Lord? Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you bring to our minds right now people that you want us to be generous with? And Lord, if you would be so kind to show us how you want us to be generous. Whether it's treat them to a meal, whether it's to go spend time at their house, it's to send them a card, it's to tell them how grateful we are for them, or whatever it is, Lord, whatever it is, would you show us how you want us to be generous to people this week? If you've never been saved, God's been generous to you, but you've got to receive it. God's offered you forgiveness. He's offered you eternal life. He's offered you the privilege to become his child, his son or daughter. But you've got to receive it. You've got to be willing to turn away from yourself and turn to him and say, thank you, Lord. I believe you. I trust you. I open my heart and life to you. I give myself, I give my whole heart to you, Lord. And I know I can't pay you back, but I just want to follow you out of my gratefulness, God. Would you just give your heart and life to Jesus today? Lisa begins to play softly. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm here if you want someone to pray with you. I'll be glad to pray with you. The altar is open if you want to come kneel and pray. Would you pray and ask God what he's saying to you today? Don't worry about somebody else. Don't think about, boy, if I had more money, if I had their money, I'd do all. Don't worry. That's not your business. What is God saying to you?